Acts chapter 27 and verse number 40. If you're there, just say amen. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind and they made toward shore and falling into a place where two seas met they ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves and the soldiers counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, I love this, willing to save Paul because Paul had a word from God. The centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Those that could swim, he said, go ahead and swim. But God had a plan for the people that couldn't make it on their own. <laughs> Woo! I don't know what God's going to do in here, but I feel something. I'm going to preach to you tonight, how did we get here? How did we get here? Amen. Let's take our hearts and lift them towards heaven tonight. God, we need you to speak in this house. Lord, I need unction to rest on me. I'm asking you tonight, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay. God, that you would anoint your servant as I stand humbly before the congregation of the righteous. We need a word from heaven tonight, Lord. Let your precious words sustain us, O oh God. Speak to our hearts and our lives, our minds tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. It'd make me feel better right now if you'd put that Bible down and give, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Oh, that feels good to me. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. Lord bless you. You may be seated, but you do not have to stay there. Amen. So as now we find, uh, as we find a shipwreck, Paul was on his way uh, to stand before the authorities, and uh, they are now shipwrecked. But the scripture tells us that in the 28th chapter, that when they had escaped the storm, they came to an island that was called Melita. Now, I'm going to fast forward to the end before I can go back to the beginning. What we find out is when they landed at Melita, uh, which is also called Malta, that when they landed there, that there were some barbarous people there who the Scripture said showed them not a little kindness. In other words, they were very kind to them, and they built a fire for them, and there was revival to be had at Melita. There was revival to be had. But in order to have the revival, they had to get to Melita, and it wasn't on the charted course. It was not in their plan to be there. 
but it was in God's plan for them to be there. And I'll, I'll more than likely bring this back to you before I'm done tonight, but I want you to notice that they didn't just have to fight storms to get there, but when revival started breaking out, the Bible said that a viper jumped out of the fire that was warming them and grabbed hold of the hand of the apostle. Now, can I just tell you that whenever God is up to something, devils are going to start showing up from everywhere. But the Bible said that the apostle Paul, when the viper jumped out of the fire, that he didn't stand there and dance around and say, Oh, God, what are we going to do now? The Bible said that he shook it off into the fire. The Bible said that he shook the viper off into the place where it came from. I wish somebody in this room tonight would tell every devil that's come against you, it's time for you to go back to where you came from. I don't care what's come against you. I don't care what's fighting you tonight. There's authority in the house of the Lord to tell every devil that has come against you it's time to go back. So I pose the question tonight as they stand around the fire warming their hands. Somebody perhaps looked at someone else and said, how in the world did we get here? How in the world did we end up here? And to answer that question, you must begin in Acts the 27th chapter. And we find that certainly Paul uh, was going to sail to Italy. And the Bible said that one named Julius, who was a centurion of Augustus, is who took him, and they entered in a ship together. But from the very beginning of the journey, the word of the Lord declares this story weaves in and out. The narrative is quite interesting that as they launched, there was a, a, a tempestuous wind that was blowing. The wind began to be contrary. And so the Bible said that they went around to the bottom side of Cyprus as they were sailing. Why? Are there times in our lives that God makes us take the route that is least direct? Why are there seasons in our lives that we can't just chart the course, set the sail, and when, when we said we were going to be there, we're going to be there? You know, that's kind of the way we've been the last few days. We've been anticipating we're going to get through Christmas, and then on New Year's Eve we'll have our service, and we'll kick back off on Sunday and business as usual. But I want to tell you that God has a way of skirting us around. Oh, God. God has a way of taking us to places we never dreamed that we would go. And the Bible tells us that they began to skirt around. They went under Cyprus because the winds were contrary, and when they had sailed over the Sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, that they came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And the Bible said that there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria that was sailing to Italy, and he put us therein. So watch this now. Paul has charted his course. He's on his way to make his appeal and on the journey, not only do they have to circumnavigate to get around Cyprus, now the Bible said that the centurion finds one of his sailor friends that's on his way to Italy. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, Paul, you're about to get on a boat today that you didn't expect to be on. You thought you were going to ride on this boat to your destiny. But God said, I'm getting ready to move you into a season that you never saw coming. 
I want you to imagine with me that Paul is pleading for his life. He's going to stand before him. And he thought the worst thing that was going to happen would be the judgment that would come against his life. But on the way to what would become his destiny, there were places that God needed him to be that he didn't know where God needed him to be. I know this may surprise you tonight, but there's nothing that surprises God. There is nothing that catches God off guard. There's nothing that catches God. God by surprise. And Paul, I want you to know that when you woke up yesterday morning and you got on this ship, you may have never imagined yourself getting onto another boat, but God had a plan for you yesterday. Oh, I feel like preaching in here tonight. What you need to know, Paul, is that just about the time you started heading in that direction, God had another ship headed in your direction, and the will of God was transpiring, and you didn't even know what God was doing. So I want to tell you, son, walk by faith. And when there's a change in plans, and you don't know what God is doing, you got to trust God, and you got to trust the process. Gotta trust the process. So, so now, now, now he's on a boat that he had no intention of being on. And we're not talking about some little bitty rowboat, little bitty vessel. As a matter of fact, as you continue down through the story, you find that there was approximately 186 people on this vessel. This was not some little bitty tiny boat. It was a, it was a boat that was going somewhere. But Paul, Paul was just along for the ride. And this is the part in walking for God, living for God, that sometimes we get disheartened about. And that is that we don't get to call the shots when we walk by faith. God put him in the middle of people he never knew he would witness to. But as you continue through the story, you find that when the Lord spoke to him, the Lord said, I'm going to give you everybody that's on this vessel with you. The Lord said to him, I have given you everyone that is on this vessel. Well, imagine if he wasn't on the vessel, then God couldn't give him the people for the increase. And so while some of us stand around cursing the wind and we stand around cursing the vessel, the Spirit of God is saying, listen, I've got a plan for you and you've got to trust me while the plan is unfolding because I am about to give you territory that you never even dreamed you would walk in. Oh, I feel faith in this room right now. I've come to prophesy to somebody that in 2023, you're going to walk in places that you never knew you would be. You're going to walk among people that you never dreamed God would put you with. I know you may not be able to figure out what God is doing, but there's about 185 other people on the boat that did not know they were getting on a boat with an apostle. They did not know they were getting on the boat with a prophet. They did not know God had sent them a preacher. Can I tell you, every now and then we need a preacher that will mess up our lives. 
I don't know how else to preach this to you tonight, but just to tell you that I've been praying to God over the last several weeks and months. Whatever you got to do to me, I want to be sure that I am in the right place at the right time because there's no telling what God is going to do. By the time God's finished, Paul, I'm going to give you the entire vessel. So, so, so here we are. We're on a vessel that we didn't anticipate being on. We've got a bunch of prisoners. We're with boatmasters that we didn't know. Now, they don't, they don't know to trust Paul. The Bible kind of gives us some pretty clear understanding that Paul had favor with Julius, and it was, uh, was kind of one of those deals that just about the time you think you finally found favor, God changes your boat. It's just about right, isn't it? Finally, God's given me favor of somebody that can take me all the way to the top, and they're going to they're gonna take me and help me appeal my case. Lord, you're, you're working, and the Lord said, er, no, stop. I'm getting ready to move you. I don't know why God does the things he does, but I'm sure glad he does it. Is there anybody in here tonight that remembers what it felt like the first time you walked through the doors of an apostolic meeting and you started laying burdens down? You, did, you, had no, you had no clue. I know you probably heard Pentecostals are crazy, but you had no clue what you were walking into. I know you've probably heard about people that run the aisles and talk in tongues, and I sure hope we don't let you down. You know, the further we go here, we can't afford to get ashamed of our praise. I'm going to get down here and walk among you a little bit. You know, I find it ironic how people are so afraid that we're actually going to live up to what people think we are. Oh, Lord, we can't worship like that. We, 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 we may make somebody nervous. They've heard about us. And the last thing they need is to walk into some place they expected to have power and it just be lame and boring and dried up. Hey, I've come to tell you, I'm a part of something that's alive and well. It's alive and well. The church of the living God is all right. Praise God. And so, so there is there's some interesting dynamic that happens that just about the time you get comfortable, God sends you a season that makes you a little less comfortable. I've seen it time after time after time, but this is, this is what I know. Sometimes it's that level of uncomfort, that, that discomfort in your life that God sends you to places that you wouldn't have went to if you weren't desperate. Some of you, the reason why you walked into the church for the first time was not because you had lived up to the promise you had made God a thousand times that when I finally get it all together, I'll come. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, Uncle Harry. I've had people tell me, I, when I get my life right, I'm going to come to church. When, when I get things together, I'm, gonna, I'm finally going to come, and I'm going to serve the Lord. I want to tell you tonight that we don't get good to get God. We get God to get good. Calvary was, Calvary was not for the people that had it all together. And the church is not for the perfected ones that have it all together. Calvary was for the broken people that are in places you never dreamed you would be. Why don't you let it push you to the cross tonight and let God heal you? 
I've seen there's people in this room tonight, perhaps, that have walked into the church and you saw those crazy people jumping around and dancing around. You didn't walk into somewhere with a bunch of dead heads sitting, look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Come on now. You walked into a place that was alive and well. And when somebody came running by you in the aisle, you said, I'll never do that. You saw somebody raise their hands and God filled them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and you said, I'll never do that. You saw somebody go down in a watery grave of baptism in Jesus' name and come up out of that water speaking in tongues and you said, I'll never do that. You better be careful the things you tell God you'll never do because God's going to make an aisle running devil stomping. God's going to make a dancer out of you. God's going to make a worshiper out of you. If he picked you up out of the miry clay, he didn't pick you up for you to be dead. He picked you up to give you life. I've had him, I've had him say it time after time. You wouldn't catch me dead worshiping like that. You just let the Holy Ghost get a hold of him. Come on now. I never was, I never was a, a, a worldly guy that went to dances. and I, you know, I've never been to a dance in my life, and it's a good thing because I got rhythm. I'm, I'm a musician, but I can't dance. I can't dance. My Lord, I would embarrass generations before me and generations to come if I tried. But I can't dance. But this is what I do know that's sad. I, I think it's sad. I think it's sad when people give everything they got to a Saturday night party. But when God saves them and brings them into the house of God, they just stand there. Well, it's all right. I mean, it's okay. Hey, I want to tell you, you don't have to stop dancing. You just switch partners. The party don't stop because we're serving God. You're just getting started. There is nothing like serving the Lord. I, I, I've had them say, well, I'm, not, I'm, just not, I'm just not emotional like that until the Colts come on. I'm not emotional until IU basketball comes on. Come on now. I used to go to B-dubs with some of them guys. He never lifted a hand in church, but when Peyton Manning wasn't throwing the ball, and that's about how long it's been since I saw a game. But when Peyton Manning wasn't throwing the ball, man, they were hitting the table, and they were saying, when are you going to get mad at the devil and start treating him like that? Come on, we complain about the devil. We got a thought. We ought to start telling the devil. Hey, friend, I want you to know tonight the team we're on has never lost. The team we're on has never lost. Never happened. Never happened. He's never lost. Man, I've seen beat the table. Man, doggone it. What's wrong with what's wrong? Why are you th man, look at that. Threw an interception. Get frustrated, get mad. Missed three points. I see him scream across, what are you doing, building a house with all them bricks? Oh, God, I've watched. I played softball with him. Oh, Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed. I've been on the softball field when they start in screaming, come on, man. What's wrong with you? 
because their heart's not in the game. But I wonder what would happen if we'd get a spirit of worship on us and we'd start holding our friends accountable when they're just sitting there, look like, look like the whole world's on their shoulder. I wonder what happened. He said, man, what's wrong with you? Has God not been good to you? Has God not set you free? Has God not delivered you? Oh, I want to know tonight, did he bring you out? Did he pick you up and turn you around? Did he set your feet on a solid rock? Praise God. Somebody shout yes. yes. And so now they are they're in the part of a journey that was unexpected. And the scripture said that when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose in 27 and 13. In other words, they got a little bit of a break in the wind, and the wind started blowing softly, and they thought, finally, finally, we're moving in the right direction. And the Scripture said that then, when the, when the soft wind began to blow, they said, all right, let's loose this thing and let it go. And the very next verse, 14, but not long after. <laughs> I thank God for the calm seasons, but I don't celebrate for too long because there's always a not long after. But you need to know that God is as much the God of the not long after. Hey, I want to tell you tonight, God's got it. You may be out of control, and you may not have the answer, but God's got the answer. There arose against them a tempestuous wind. That's a word you don't hear every day in English anymore. But tempestuous wind is by far worse than what Solomon described. Dwelling in the house with a brawling woman. He said, that gets bad. You're better off to be on a rooftop by yourself than in a house with a brawling woman. And a brawling woman doesn't compare to a tempestuous wind. I know you may, some of you men may feel like it does. But you ain't never been in a battle like a tempestuous wind. Woo. I'm going to move on before somebody comes to counseling. I saw some of you suckers scared to death to even look aside at all. You was like... Thank the Lord he's not talking about you, sweetie. I'm glad it's never happened in my house, praise God. Somebody say tempestuous. Tempestuous means it's not the place you want to be. But sometimes we got to be in the place we don't want to be for God to be who he wants to be. The wind that came was called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind. I love this in verse 15. I don't know if they got it. 27 to 15. I love this part. This is one of my favorite parts of the whole story. I absolutely love these four words. We let her drive. What, 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 what's that mean? 
That means when it got so tough that they couldn't control it anymore. They said, Lord, we're going to turn this thing loose and we're going to let it drive. And wherever you want us to be, I'm having a hard time. I want to preach this to somebody right here. We can't control it, and we can't fix it, and we can't steer it, and we can't paddle our way through this. This is going to be a God thing. I feel like telling somebody on Sunday night, it's time to let go and let God have his way. It's time to turn loose and let God do it. Running under a certain island, which was called Cloud, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, straight sail, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest the next day, aren't those big words? Exceedingly tossed with a tempest the next day, they lightened the ship. I don't know if y'all are ready for me to preach this right here. But I'm going to preach it to you. They said, not only are we going to let her drive, but we're going to get some things out of here that's been weighing us down. I'm going to let that settle in right there. I'm going to say it, not spray it. Come on. I'm going to let that settle in on somebody. If you're going to get where God wants you to go, you can't carry everything with you this year. Some of us are looking at the Supreme Court and the decisions they're making. We're looking at Washington decisions they're making. We say, oh, God, what are we going to do? Listen, that has never affected revival. But you know what does affect revival is carnal people that hold on to things that God's been trying to get them to throw out. I know some of you may disagree with this, but thank God I got the microphone. I'm going to say it. I want to tell you that carnal people can do by far more to hurt the kingdom of God than one devil. Woo, don't run over me while you're running. You can be seated on that now. Come on, I, I said a carnal person can do more damage than a devil. Because you can cast devils out. But you can't cast flesh out. And when flesh gets crossways with what God's trying to do, we start bargaining with God and say, well, I, th I think I can hold on to that bitterness and be all right. I think I can hold on to that bitterness and hatred, and I'm going to be because I justified that with God. God knows how wrong they did me. God knows how bad they hurt me, so I'm just going to hold on. I've already talked to the Lord about that, and he's okay with me keeping that bitterness in here. I came to upset the fruit basket tonight. It's the first Sunday of 2023, and some of you are going to have to walk into your destiny a little lighter this year. Some of the things that held you down, some of the things that held you captive, some of the things that kept your worship locked up last year, it's time not only to loose it and just let, let God do it, but it's time to throw some things out and say, God, if we're going with you, we're going to come a little bit lighter. I've seen, I've seen the damage that adultery can do to a church. I've seen the damage that fornication can do, can do to young people. I've seen the damage that lying and stealing can do to people. But let me tell you something right now. 
A liar is a liar, a cheater is a cheater, an adulterer is an adulterer, whatever. God can forgive it. But somebody who is justified in their actions. You can deal with confess sin. That's Bible. Confess your faults and God is faithful to forgive it. But when we start justifying, God understands this. When the storm comes, our vessel's too heavy. And if you try to carry that in, it's going to break prematurely. And you're going to be struggling in waters that are deeper than you can get through. I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost on this Sunday night, you got to let it go. It's time to turn it loose. Before we're done here tonight, you need to make your way to the altar and lay that at the feet of Jesus and say, I'm not going to carry that one more day. I refuse to let that bitterness stop my worship. I'm not going to let it stop me one more day. I'm hurrying. I'm not just preaching so I can hear myself talk. I'm, I feel the Lord's helping somebody. But I want to tell you, if we've ever needed anything, we need some forgiveness walking into 2023. We have not forgiven somebody because we say they're forgiven. We've forgiven somebody when we can bless them, and it doesn't bother us to see God bless them. I have truly forgiven and let go of something when God blesses them and I rejoice with them. I think I may have struck the nerve right there. I'm going to have to get another preacher to come up here and throw him the microphone and let him finish because I found the nerve in here tonight. We can't carry everything that's weighing us down into the revival that God wants us to have. And then just tell God to have his way. Can I preach to you about your pastor tonight and tell you that God's been trying to have his way in my life. And there's times that I'm holding on to things that I've justified. And the Lord, I'm telling the Lord with my mouth, have your way. But with my actions, I'm holding on to saying, but I'm going to have my way about that. They said, it's time for us. It's time for us to lighten the ship. Lord, I don't even know how to help anybody if you can't pick up on that. It's time to help God release us out of our spirits and out of our minds. The third day, verse 19, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Now they're getting rid of everything that would give them control if they changed their minds. And when neither sun nor stars, verse 20, in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. I need to know if there's anybody in this house that knows he's never late. Come on, you know he's never late. <laughs> now, I'm going to give you a preview into the fleshly heart of who I am, and I think if you know me, you understand this full and well. I don't mind being transparent. But I've had days, it said, when there was neither sun nor stars in many days, I've had some conversation with God and said, all right, how many days of this are left? Come on. Can I get some transparent people in here that will say, it's been some dark days, Pastor. And I've asked the Lord, when's this going to be done? God, when, when's this going to happen? I, 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 I've had conversations with people. They're not fun. They're not easy. But they want to know, how long do I have to hold on? How much longer do I have to pray? How, how much longer do I have to fast? What? 
I mean, honestly, what else can I do? Hey, listen, we're not doing this so that God will exercise the ministry of extraction in our lives. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do. We don't pray and fast so that God will take the storm. We pray and fast because it's the right thing to do. We forgive because it's the right thing to do. I don't forgive so God will bless me. I forgive because it's righteousness. Woo! Did I, did I, did I lose y'all tonight at the forgiveness part? It's a, it's a heavy weight. But we get hung up in those seasons and say, okay, God, we've lightened the load. But now the days are dark. And I'm just wondering if I'm ever going to see the light of day. When will I ever see the light of day? And the Bible said that when it had been several days that the people on the boat all hope that they should be saved was lost. It's in the moment that you believe it's too late for God to work that he has a way of showing up. And the scripture said in verse number 22, Paul stood up and he said, now I exhort you. Listen to this now. The night's still dark. The storm's still tossing. They don't have what they need on the boat. And Paul stands up and says, be of good cheer. What? Do you see this? Do you see what's going on? Do you see what's happening in my life? Do you see that this, this boat can't take much more of the storm? And that crazy old preacher stands up and says, get happy. Happy. He said, be of good cheer. You ever wonder what makes somebody full of the Holy Ghost? Make a silly, dumb statement like that in the middle of a storm and look at you and say, come on, get happy. Come on, be of good cheer. Somebody needs to get happy. You know what would make them do something like that? He said, verse 22, he said, Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. And so they start, well, what about the ship? What are we going to do? You don't understand. God's going to use the broken pieces of the ship to get you where you're going. He said, be of good cheer. Verse 23, why would he say something so crazy? He said, for there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, fear not. Hey, I don't know if you believe or not, but you're looking at a man that still believes that God will send an angel in the middle of the storm. God will send a word in the middle of the storm. I've come to preach to somebody on this first Sunday night. Fear not and be not afraid. God is with us. Let's stand together. I'm almost done. The Lord came to him and said, fear not. Thou must be brought before Caesar. In other words, you're going to finish what you started. And he said, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Now I'm going to preach to you just a simple little principle here. But I want you to know it matters how you respond in a storm. Because the people on that vessel are watching your response. And when you start speaking hopelessness and helplessness, come on.
when you start speaking, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how God's ever going to bring us through this. There's people watching. But when God visits you and gives you a word of comfort and you stand up and say, I believe God. I believe God. Yeah, but pastor, the, ev the evidence doesn't support what you heard. I said, I believe God. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain in 2023. I believe God. I believe God. We started the year off having to have church in someone else's church, and thank God we have it. This is not what we planned for the first Sunday of the year. But if, if you think for one minute, I'm going to believe the lie that it's going to rob our momentum and it's going to stop revival, it's not going to do anything but push us forward into greater revival and greater harvest than we have ever seen before. So I hurry to a close with this tonight. Music comes. As the storm tossed them and broke them into pieces, the word of the Lord said that God protected Paul. That the soldiers just wanted to kill everybody and say they, they're, they're, they're going to get what they deserve. There's a beautiful picture here that I don't have time to preach, but I just want to tell you. That you're looking at a man who's thankful he didn't get what he deserved. <laughs> they said, let's kill all the prisoners. But the scripture said that the centurion willing to save Paul. Willing to save Paul. Because Paul had obeyed God and spoke the word and said, I believe God. Willing to save the word. He said to the people that could swim, go swim. But to the ones who cannot make it on your own, I know you're looking at it as a broken ship. But God's about to turn this broken thing you've been through into a lifeline that'll get you to revival. You can imagine the terror in the eyes people that are standing there when the ship hits rock bottom and it starts to fall apart their focus is on what's falling apart but God who sits in heaven started taking count and he said well there's 186 people there's 75 of them that know how to swim there's a few of them that don't and so I'm going to need and he starts breaking the boat up everything that you thought was broken to destroy you God said, I'm going to take a broken piece of this. Man, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. Come on, I'm just going to minister to you in the Holy Ghost right now. These altars are open right now. But somebody that's coming into this new year saying, God, I've been so broken. Listen to me. God's going to take what broke on you last year, and it's going to be what he's going to let you ride in to the greatest revival you've ever seen in 2023. Don't curse the broken pieces. Because God's going to use the broken pieces to get you here.